This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Uh, I'm a bit happier this morning than I have been uh, in the last few days. The Boston Red Sox uh, pick up a victory yesterday, right the ship a little bit. Uh, you know, let's not get too carried away. It's one game, but look, uh, it's a, it's a win. It's a shutout. Uh, it's a team loaded with guys that, uh, that can hit the baseball, obviously like Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon and Shohei Otani. And, um, uh, the, 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 the hitters did just enough last night and the, uh, the pitching staff was great. Um, look. You know, my biggest gripe, and I griped about this last night, and, you you know, you're going to say, well, why are you griping? You won the damn game. Shut up. But, uh, you know, look, uh, once again last night, Alex Cora with the quick hook in the game. Uh, Michael Waka was dominating in this game. Five and two-thirds innings. He only gave up three hits, no runs, walked a couple of guys, he had thrown 60 pitches in the sixth inning. He had thrown 60 pitches with two outs. And after Raphael Devers makes a throwing error, a two-base error, and uh, the Angels end up with a guy on second base, Alex Cora goes to the bullpen to Jake Diekman. Now, look, you know, you're going to say, well, again, shut up because Diekman got out of it. Shohei Otani, a left-hander, was coming up, so they go get the lefty out of the bullpen. He does his job. He he gets the out. He gets out of the inning. Diekman goes on to pitch a scoreless uh, seventh inning, although he did walk a guy. He's just a, a mess. Ryan Brazier and Salamora finish it up. The bullpen pitches three and a third innings of shutout baseball, and the Red Sox win the game. So what the hell are you griping about? Well, and, and as I have said, uh, constantly, and I will continue to say, um, look, this is one of these situations where you may not think it's a big deal right now, right? It, it may not be a big deal to you. But I'm telling you when it's going to become a big deal. August, September, when guys like Diekman and Brazier and Barnes and whoever else have suddenly been in every damn game. You know, and now we're we're into August and Jake Diekman's pitched in 70 games. And he's got nothing left in the tank. That's a concern. And it's, you know, these are the kinds of things that maybe they don't manifest themselves now. And again, you know, uh, you say, well, you won the game last night. Be quiet. A- and I get that. But 
the constant work for this bullpen is going to rear its ugly head at some point in the future. There's no doubt in my mind. And when you constantly have guys that are only throwing 50, 60, 70 pitches and you are yanking them out of games that they are dominating, I have to, you know, the, the first word that comes to mind is overmanaging. And I believe Alex Cora is over-managing. And I know that, look, this is a guy that, you know, took the Red Sox to a to his World Series title and, and still think he doesn't really understand. And again, you know, you look at some of the comments last night and people are saying, well, he's just Bloom's puppet. And that may be, you know, this may be an edict from up above. But, you know, it's gotten to the point where Dennis Eckersley, an old-school guy, a guy that's like, I don't understand <laughs> You know, while we're yanking guys early, even Dennis Eckersley has gotten to the point now where he just kind of throws his hands up and goes, and last night when Waka's dominating that game, you know, all Eck really has to say is, well, that's baseball today, and he kind of chuckles. But, you know, and, and he says, look, he says, you know, starting pitchers are even expecting this now. They're pitching, like, looking over their shoulder, like if one thing goes wrong, I'm out of the game no matter how many pitches are. A guy who, by the way, is coming off – of major elbow surgery, had to take a year off, and he goes out last. You know, he got bit by a long ball, uh, but he pitched well. Why aren't Red Sox, with the exception of Nate Evaldi, and even Evaldi isn't given the opportunity to go deep very often. You know, I go back to the game where he threw seven innings and 70 pitches, and they take him out, and the Red Sox blow the game despite the fact how dominant he had been, and despite the fact he'd only thrown 70 pitches. Well, if Noah Syndergaard can be coming off a of Tommy John surgery and go out two years later and throw 100 pitches, why in the hell can't Michael Walker throw more than 60 when he's cruising? Absolutely cruising. And I know I sound like a moron right now because the Red Sox won the game, and here I am bitching about the fact that, that uh, they pulled their starting pitcher. But it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. And there is nobody that's going to convince me otherwise. Look, analytics have its place. But there are times that you have to have a feel for the game. And it tells me sometimes that the Red Sox are playing by the numbers. It has no feel involved. Now, Alex Cora, you know, was given a little bit more latitude before Bloom got there. And before he was suspended for a year. You know, he had leeway. He was able to to play, uh, to go with, with feel. He's not doing that anymore. And it, it tells me that he's probably being told he can't. But it's ridiculous. Now, outside of that, you know, there's a lot of positive things to look at last night. Jackie Bradley Jr. with a couple of hits. Thank God. <laughs> Jackie goes two for three last night. Has that average up to 169. woo you know, but more importantly, he's hitting 300 at Fenway Park. 083 on the road. Frenchy Cordero with a couple of hits last night. They actually got some production out of first base last night. How about that? J.D. Martinez, who uh, was out for a while, comes back, had uh, three hits on Sunday, had two more last night. He is five for nine since coming off uh, his uh, forced rest. Has the average up to 317. Devers absolutely crushed the ball last night. 
I mean, it it went way back in center field. It went back in a part of center field where very few people go. So that was that was impressive. You know, there were so there were positive things. Uh, Xander Bogarts, look, Xander's been hitting the ball well, and we kill Xander a lot for his uh, defense. But Xander Bogarts last night made a couple of spectacular plays in the field. Spectacular. Including one that was deep in the hole. He goes out and he jumps up in the air and fires one over to first base in the ninth inning uh, that Bobby Dahlbeck pulls in. Uh, it was, um, I hate to use this guy's name, but it's Derek. it was Derek Jeter-esque. It was something that you'd see Derek Jeter doing in the, in the old days. And that's a direct result, by the way, of having Trevor Story at second base. Xander Bogarts is able to cheat a little bit more now, having having a guy at second base that has some range. He doesn't have to play maybe as close up to the middle as he used to because Trevor Story can cover a lot of that ground now. So plenty of positive takeaways from last night. you know. So I don't want to make it sound like the sky is falling, but at the same time, the sky is going to fall if this trend continues, if they don't start letting their starting pitchers go deeper into games, I fear for what's coming. And look, uh, we got a situation today. Tanner Houck is getting the start for the Red Sox today. It's going to be his third start. The last time he went out there, they let him pitch three innings. And he was pitching well. The time before that, he pitched like four shutout innings in a start. They pulled him like 50 pitches, 55 pitches. At some point, take the training wheels off these guys. You've got to let them go deeper in the game. So if they don't do that today, right, we've asked the bullpen to throw three and a third innings last night. If they let him go just three or four innings today, now we got to get five innings out of the bullpen. Now, I know they'll probably bring Tanner Houck in, and, and he'll pitch three innings in relief perhaps, but that means then you're going to Barnes, you're going probably to, uh, to Hansel Robles, you're going to, to Strom. So now you've used everybody in your bullpen in two days. You know, and it just it, it gets to a point where it starts to snowball, and that's my concern. So, uh, you know, gr- it's a great win. I'm, I'm, I'm happy they won the game, but th- there are reasons to be concerned. And when you, when you look across, you know, the field to the other dugout and you're letting a guy that's coming off a of Tommy John surgery pitch, throw 100 pitches, I don't get it. I don't get it. And you know Michael Walker's not ha- happy, and he says all the right things, you know, in the post-game press conference, but you know he's not happy being lifted from that game. He shouldn't be. So Whitlock uh, today against uh, Reed Detmers, who just uh, won his first game of the season in his last outing, uh, beating the Cleveland Guardians 4-1. to uh, Look, you know, Hopefully the Red Sox can can continue to swing the bat enough. You know, they'll beat Detmers, and, and they'll get out of this. And uh, Shohei Otani is lined up to pitch on uh, Thursday, providing there's no setbacks with his, uh, with his groin injury. Now, he played yesterday, obviously, as a designated hitter, got four at-bats. You know, uh, matter of fact, struck out to end the game. Um Shohei Otani is hitting like 225 to start the season. Now we know what he can do. He's a you know he was what he hit 260 last year, put 46 bombs. I mean he's dangerous. 
and the way the Red Sox bats have been going, he's maybe more dangerous on the mound. Uh, but we'll see. But but at, at you know, I'm concerned about today. I'm very concerned about today. I'm hoping they let please, you know, if Garrett Whitlock is cruising through four or five innings, for the love of God, leave him out there. You know, and, and then let you know, let him pitch into the sixth. Let him pitch into the seventh. If he can keep the pitch count down, you know, and I get they're trying to be careful with this guy. This is another guy that's coming off of Tommy John a couple of years ago and, you know, used him a lot in the bullpen last year. And But, look, at some point you got to figure out whether this – if this guy's truly going to be a starter, you got to figure out if he can pitch as a starter. And I know a definition of a starter has changed a little bit, but there has been a little bit of a a um, – a swing back to the other way. I mean, Carlos Carrasco pitched eight innings for the Mets yesterday. We're seeing guys go seven innings. You know, sometimes eight innings. But, you know, so if if we're going to – if baseball's starting to swing back that way, the Red Sox need to get the program because that bullpen isn't very good. You know, the numbers will tell you they're about average in Major League Baseball. But I'm telling you, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors. That bullpen is not that good. Not based on what the way they're pitching now. Not not based on the Matt Barnes not being the Matt Barnes he was at the start of last year. Not with Ryan Brazier. Uh, you know, now he pitched a, a scoreless inning last night. But you know, how many times have they brought Ryan Brazier in and he gives up, you know, hits and inherited base runners scoring all over the place? Uh, Jake Diekman, as X said last night, Jake Diekman will walk guys just to stay in shape. You know, I mean, Diekman is having trouble throwing strikes. Hansel Robles got released uh, from the Phillies for a reason. You know, at some point, you know, we got to figure this out, uh, that this bullpen ain't as good as people think it is or as the front office thinks it is. But it's a good win, no question, a win that they needed because the Yankees win again. Yankees win their 11th straight game last night. Uh, they beat the Toronto Blue Jays 9 to 1. The score is a little bit deceiving. It was a 7-run seven 7th inning. And they did it off of the Toronto bullpen. Alec Manoa was great for 6 innings. 3 hits, 1 run, struck out 7, only walked one. The one run he gave up was a game-tying home run to Aaron Judge. He led this game one nothing going into the 6th inning and Judge obliterated one. Aaron Judge uh, drove in three runs in this game. Uh, by the way, he's going to be a free agent. Whew, back up the Brinks truck. You know, and when he was asked about that earlier, I think it was on an ESPN broadcast, it was it was kind of like, uh, uh, you know, he gave a little wink, said, we're going to be just fine. Well, if he stays healthy and he keeps doing what he's doing, I mean, good Lord, he's hitting over 300. He just hit his ninth bomb yesterday. And we know what a good defensive outfielder he is. And uh, he is going to get a lot of money. Oh, it is going to be, uh, you know, this is going to, you're looking at a, a $35 million contract a year. Somebody's going to pay him a lot of money. And, and it'll probably be the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are one of the teams that can afford it. So I, I don't think they're going to let him walk. But it will be interesting to see if Aaron Judge truly wants to play in the Bronx. Or if there's somewhere else he'd rather play, or if the fact that the Yankees didn't step up and try to uh, sign him to a, a long-term deal uh, changes his perspective on things. 
But the Yankees have now won 11 in a row. They are 18 and 6. 18 and 6. Longest winning streak in Major League Baseball this year so far. Uh, you know, look, I don't, you know, with, with, you know, the Yankee storied history, I think this is the seventh time that they've, uh, won 18 of its first 24 games. And as for Toronto, uh, this was the first time Toronto had had consecutive losses in quite a while. It was a streak of 32 games. Toronto had gone without losing back to back games dating back to September 24th of last year. Uh, but you can't blame that on Manoa. He was great. But Adam Simber came in. Uh, Merriweather came in. Merriweather faced four batters out of the bullpen. Didn't record an out. Uh, so it just it got ugly. Uh, but a very deceiving final score. Uh, but, uh, again, the Yankees just dominant. 18-6. and six. They are now three and a half clear of the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League East. Tampa Bay with a win yesterday. Uh, not a great uh, pitching performance. For them, they had to come back to win this game. They scored five runs in the 10th inning to win this game 10-7 over the Oakland Athletics. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough making his first start of the season, and it was not a good one. Uh, Six hits, five runs. He walked three guys in two and a third innings. So they were playing from behind right from the the get-go. Paul Blackburn got the start for Oakland, uh, lasted into the fifth. He wasn't great either. Uh, bullpen does a pretty good job, but it was they did the work off of Trevino. Uh, Trevino, his second straight uh, bad outing since coming off the COVID list. Uh, he gave up four hits, five runs, walked the guy in two-thirds of an inning in that uh, uh, five-run tenth for, for uh, the Rays. Oakland scored two in the bottom of the uh, tenth to try to make it interesting, but uh, the Rays now 14-10. and 10. Uh, The Athletics lose again. Uh, and the Athletics, by the way, the crowd last night, 2,815. Huh. That's 327 more that they, than they had for their, uh, their low uh, on Monday night. 2,815. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a Bay Area fan, <laughs> and there obviously aren't many of them, uh, but uh, the, the Athletics are an endangered species in Oakland. 2,800 people. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they have a series finale uh, later on today. Corey Kluber will get the start for the Rays. He will take on Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas, who is still in an Oakland uniform, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be traded, and he still could be. Uh, come the trade deadline, I'll be shocked if Frankie Montas is still in an Oakland uniform. Uh, but he is 2-2 two and two, uh, with an ERA of about four. They'll take on uh, uh, the Rays in the finale of that series uh, this afternoon. And speaking of teams that are struggling right now, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the troubles that the Red Sox have had. How about the troubles that the Atlanta Braves are having? The Atlanta Braves are now 11-15. and 15. They have lost six of the last ten. They are seven games behind the New York Mets after the Mets swept a doubleheader against the Braves yesterday. Uh, the Mets win the opener 5-4. And uh, then Carlos Carrasco comes out and throws eight innings in the nightcap, and they blank the Braves in the nightcap three to nothing. Carrasco goes eight innings, throws 96 pitches, gives up six hits, no runs. He struck out five, walked two, picks up his second win of the season 
Uh, Seth Lugo comes on, picks up his second save of the year with a scoreless ninth. But again, uh, Carlos Carrasco is 35 years old, and uh, he's allowed to go uh, eight innings and throw 96 pitches, but we can't have that in Boston. Oh, God, no. Can't have that. But the Mets and the Yankees, New York owns Major League Baseball right now, and how depressing, how depressing is that uh, if you are a, uh, a uh, Yankee hater or a Met hater? Well, actually, you know what? There aren't, I don't think there's a lot of Met haters. There's a lot of Yankee haters. I think the Yankees are one of those teams you're either a fan or you root for them to lose every game. I don't think there's any middle ground when it comes to the New York Yankees. It's kind of like in football now. I don't think there's any middle ground in football when it comes to the New England Patriots. Because of all the success that they've had and all everything they did with Tom Brady, you either love the Patriots or you hate the Patriots. Yankees are the same thing. But think I mean look at this. The Yankees are 18 and 6, the Mets are 18 and 8. 36 and 14 are the New York teams so far this year. Uh, interesting, too, by the way, they've scored the exact same amount of runs, 118 runs apiece. But if you're a Braves fan, and look, you know, you don't need to panic. Look what the Braves did last year. They got off to an awful start. They rebounded. Uh, they didn't have anywhere near the best record in the National League, and they won the World Series. So uh, we know what kind of talent they have. They have Ronald Acuna Jr. back. Uh, you know, they have Marcelo Zuna back. I think the concern, if you are the Braves, are what you have for pitching. Look, Charlie Morton uh, was awful again. Five and two-thirds innings, gave up six hits and five runs. Walked three guys. Uh, his, he's got an ERA of almost seven. Now, Max Fried has been pretty good. Kyle Wright pitched last night. Kyle, Kyle Wright had been great, you know, and Wright got bit early. He gives up a uh, two runs in the first inning and then uh, gives up a solo shot to Pete Alonzo, his uh, fifth of the season. Uh, but Wright's been pretty good. Free's been pretty good. Um, but uh, Ian Anderson, you know, mixed results. So there is some concern if you are the Braves, perhaps, about this pitching staff more than anything because you know they're going to hit. Now, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. did not play any opener last night. They're going to be very careful with him. Um, you know, coming off that injury, but he did play in a nightcap, uh, went one for three. But you would think with this lineup, they're going to score runs. Matt Olson had a, uh, uh, a three-run homer last night. It was his third of the season. He did that in the opening game. Uh, had a couple more hits in the second game. So Olson's really uh, kind of, I think he's kind of making people forget about Freddie Freeman pretty quickly with what he does defensively at first base, and he's hitting the ball, he's hitting 295. I think uh, he is fitting in very, very nicely. Uh, but got to take your hats off to the Mets. They sweep the doubleheader from the Braves yesterday. They will wrap up the uh, four-game series this afternoon. I think it's a 1 o'clock start. Uh, Ian Anderson, 2-1. and one. He's got a 4.66 ERA, though. That's why I said mixed results. And this is the guy that is the big surprise, I think, for the Mets. In addition, though, to I should say I shouldn't say just this guy. The other guy that's been a surprise is David Peterson. Uh, Peterson's got an ERA of 1.89 after throwing uh, five innings last night. Picks up his first win of the season. But Tyler McGill is four and zero with a 1.93 ERA. I mean, you don't have to go any farther than those two guys 
uh, what they've been able to do for the Mets uh, to see why they've been successful. Uh, Edwin Diaz picked up his fifth save of the season last night. But uh, anyway, so it'll be McGill against Ian Anderson in the uh, series finale coming up uh, today at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Dusty Baker picks up his 2,000th win as a manager, becomes the 12th manager in Major League history to reach 2,000 wins. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, he becomes the first black manager to, uh, to, to accomplish that. And by the way, uh, 10 of the other 11 managers who have amassed 2,000 wins are all in the Hall of Fame. The only other guy who isn't in the Hall of Fame, uh, that's Bruce Bochy. And Bruce Bochy's still active. Uh, he's got 2003, so he's the only uh, exception to that. So, and Bruce Bochy will be in the Hall of Fame, and Dusty Baker will be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, but Baker is only one of two black managers in Major League Baseball and uh, picks up uh, a, a, a milestone victory last night. Uh, Christian Javier was great, by the way, on the mound for the Astros. Uh, allowed just two hits over five and a third innings. He started the season in the bullpen for Houston, uh, but uh, has uh, moved into the rotation and has looked really, really good. Chris Flexen uh, pitched fairly well for Seattle, just uh, the offense couldn't get anything going at all. Uh, the Astros win the game 4 nothing, and uh, congratulations to uh, Dusty Baker. Um, series finale between those two teams today. Justin Verlander, who has been great after coming off that injury, uh, two and one with a one seven three ERA will take on Matt Brash, who has an ERA of seven. Uh, so advantage Houston going into that game this afternoon. It is thirty two minutes past the hour. We got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is thirty four minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Dave Massey was uh, checking in on Facebook and uh, he made a good point. Uh, <laughs> Based on on ticket prices at Fenway Park, uh, it might almost be cheaper to get a flight and fly to Oakland to get a ticket to watch the Red Sox. Uh, yeah, I got to think the tickets are probably pretty cheap in Oakland this year, huh? Um, now, I, as I mentioned, uh, my wife and I are going to watch the Red Sox uh, play at Atlanta on Tuesday. Tickets aren't exactly cheap there either, you know. And that's part of, you know, we we didn't talk a lot about this during the uh, during the lockdown and. Uh, you know, all the talk about minimum salaries and, and what's going on with, uh, you know, the ridiculous salaries we have. But, you know, that's part of the problem that we have in baseball now is that, you know, you can't you can't go to a ball game with your family anymore. It's it's something that you have to do like once a year, maybe twice. Right. I mean, who can afford to take a family? You know, if you have two kids, who how, how often can a family of a four afford to go to Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium. Now, there's going to be some places where it's a little bit more affordable. I would imagine like in St. Louis and Texas and, you know, there's probably other ballparks where it's it's not too bad. But how often can you, you know, afford to do that? I mean, I remember, I guess maybe if you want to sit in the bleachers, I guess. You know, I remember the last time I went to Fenway um, before we moved down uh, to North Carolina and before the pandemic, my wife and I, had uh, box seats in down the right field line. I mean, we were way we were down near the the foul pole, right? Tickets were seventy five bucks a piece. To, you know, to sit, you know, these weren't primo seats, right? To, so seventy five bucks a piece, and this was what this was three years ago, because it was pre pandemic. 
you know, and then so so if you if there's four of you, that's three hundred bucks just to get in the door. And then you know you if if you drink alcoholic beverages, you're probably paying twelve bucks for a beer or you know eight or nine bucks for a soda and got you know hot dog. And every, I mean, honest to God, I mean you're not getting out of there with, with probably dropping six hundred bucks. So how often can a family afford to do that? And and Yankee Stadium is worse. You know, and my wife was talking to somebody that she works with yesterday. They have season tickets to the Braves. And I'm thinking, well, somebody in that family is making a lot of money, <laughs> right? I mean, that's 81 home games. Now, maybe they don't have a full package. I don't know. But if, if you've got, you know, 81 home games and usually season tickets, let's say you're paying 75 bucks a seat, you know, you're dropping six grand for one seat. So if there's two of you, that's 12 grand. I mean, who can, I, that's out of my price range. You know, I could maybe do a, you know, a 10-game package or something like that. But, you know, it's just it's gotten to a point where you can't afford to have full-time season tickets anymore. you got to mortgage your house. You know, and, and so, you know, those that want to say, well, you know, the, the players should get whatever they can get. And I'm all for that. But it's you have to understand that there is a consequence for that, and that is that, you know, maybe you can't afford to go to a game as much as you'd want to. Yeah, so, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Truist Park. I haven't been there. It's a brand-new stadium. I, I went to uh, I went to the old Atlanta Stadium, but I haven't been to the new one, so uh, it'll be another one I can check off my list. But And, and I'm looking forward to and and right now it's two desperate teams, right? Both teams are under 500, the Red Sox and the Braves. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it should be interesting. Uh, it's this close. I mean, Atlanta for me is about two hours and the ballpark's two hours and 15 minutes from here. It's a little bit farther than I had to drive to get to Fenway, um, when I, when I lived in Connecticut. So it's something that I could do, uh, on a more regular basis if I want to do that, but hell, you know. I'm I'm near retirement age. Is you know you get to a point where it's like, uh, well, you know, yeah, I get on a fixed income. How how much can I afford that? So, but yeah, I would imagine tickets are pretty cheap in uh, in Oakland right now, Dave. I would imagine. Um, place where tickets are not cheap. The Los Angeles Dodgers. They uh, great game yesterday. They beat the San Francisco Giants. First game of nineteen between those two teams this season. The Dodgers win it three to one. Uh, Carlos Rodon, who had been so great for uh, the Giants since coming over there as a free agent, was good again. Only gave up three hits in six innings, but he ends up taking the loss. Um, The Dodgers scored a couple early. Chris Taylor, a two-run single. Uh, Julio Urias, six scoreless innings, only gave up four hits, and the Dodgers win it. Craig Kimbrell, their new closer, uh, picks up his fifth save of the season. Uh, look, these are two teams that combined for what two hundred and fourteen ish wins last year. I think what didn't the Giants have like a hundred and maybe it was I don't know the Giants had like one hundred six and uh, the Dodgers had one hundred and five or so. It was it was crazy. And that division is shaping up to be uh, right now uh, the National League West and the American League East are probably the two best divisions in baseball. I mean, the Dodgers are 15 and seven. San Diego's 15 and eight. San Francisco's 14 and nine. You know, forget about Colorado and Arizona. They're not. You know, Colorado's over 500 right now. But when push comes to shove, they're not going to be around at the end of the day. Uh, and you know, the, it's the same, similar thing uh, in the American League East. 
So that is probably that and the American League East are the two best divisions in baseball. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing, uh, next year Major League Baseball is changing the schedule. It's going to be a balanced schedule. Well, not completely balanced, but you will play everybody. So uh, you're not going to play 19 games within your division anymore. I think it's going to be down to 12, something like that. You know, and I don't know. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing. I like I like the rivalries. I think it makes the division uh, more valuable. So uh, I'm not I'm not sure yet how I feel about that. But it, you know I I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that the Red Sox and the Yankees won't play 19 times next year. You know those are games that uh, every year when the schedule comes out, those are the ones you circle on your calendar, just like the Giants and the Dodgers do, just like the Cardinals and the Cubs do. I mean I think for you know certain divisions there are just some rivalries that. Uh, I think it's going to be unfortunate that we won't see uh, as much as we've been able to see in the past. Uh, other news around Major League Baseball yesterday, the Diamondbacks win, as they said, you know, don't get too excited about that if you're a Diamondbacks fan, but uh, uh, they beat the Marlins 5-4. Uh, the Phillies, and uh, the Phillies are in a bit of a, uh, a struggle. They're under 500. They lose to the Texas Rangers yesterday, 6-4, Mitch Garver, and... Uh, uh, Yona Heim uh, with uh, home runs for Texas yesterday. Texas is 9-14, and 14, but the Phillies now two games under five hundred. And I'm not saying that he's on the hot seat, but you do have to wonder, and I'm not saying that like right now, but you do have to wonder if things don't get better in Philly, if they continue to struggle like this, if there is going to be some talk about a managerial change. You know, I I don't know for sure, but look, when the if you're the the uh, Phillies and you've gone out and you've spent a lot of money in free agency to bring in Nick Castellanos, to bring in Kyle Schwarber, you know, is Joe Girardi on the hot seat? You know, the problem that the Phillies have is their pitching staff. You know, there, there's, you know, Zach Wheeler is is solid, and Aaron Nola. If you look at his numbers, a lot of time you'll say, well, Aaron Nola is solid. The problem is, is that Aaron Nola, every time Aaron Nola has to pitch in a big game, and they need him to come up big, he comes up small. Aaron Nola is one of those guys uh, that. Uh, uh, Bill Raftery, who calls uh, college basketball games, would never say that uh, Aaron Nola is loaded with onions. I'm just saying. Uh, but uh, Ranger Suarez uh, got the start for the Phillies yesterday. He got roughed up. He's generally been pretty good since coming out of the Philly bullpen last year. But, you know, that's something to keep an eye on, that if the Phillies continue to struggle, is Joe Dur- Girardi uh, going to be in trouble? Uh, the Twins win. Uh, they beat the Orioles, and I would say, well, everybody beats the Orioles, but of course the Red Sox couldn't. But the Twins beat the Orioles yesterday, seven to two. It was a close game until late. Ryan Jeffers with a three-run bomb in the sixth inning. Uh, Byron Buxton had a two-run uh, double in the ninth inning. Uh, Joe Ryan struggled a little bit, but uh, 
he got through five, and the bullpen did a good job. The Twins have won 12 of the last 13 games, nine of the last 10, 12 of the last 13, four in a row, uh, a team that started off awful. They're now 15-9, and nine, and they are the only team in the American League Central over 500. The Cleveland Guardians are in second place at 10-12. and 12. Uh, White Sox win again yesterday. They win their second in a row, 10-13. and 13. There had already been some rumblings about whether Tony La Russa was in trouble, but uh, they bounced back yesterday on a miserable day in Chicago. 45 degrees and raining. Ugh. But uh, Michael Kopech goes uh, and pitches into the fifth, and then uh, five relievers combined to allow just one run and two hits over the uh, rest of the game. Tim Anderson with a home run, and the White Sox pick up the victory uh, over the Cubs. The Brewers win. Uh, they beat the Reds, but then again, uh, everybody has been beating the Reds lately. Uh, Cincinnati uh, dropped its seventh straight game yesterday. The Cincinnati Reds, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? We want to talk about how bad the Oakland Athletics are. The Cincinnati Reds, ladies and gentlemen, are 3-20. and 20. That is not a misprint. 3-20. and 20. And it just got worse. They had to put, jo- <laughs> they had to put Joey Votto on the COVID list. So three and 20 and dropping. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the Brewers pick up the victory. They are now uh, uh, 16 and eight. They've won eight of 10. And uh, they are two and a half games clear of the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central. The Cardinals get thumped by the Royals yesterday, seven to one. Brad Keller uh, had a shutout going into the seventh inning. Bobby Witt Jr., his first career home run yesterday, also had a, a single in that game. Uh, he has an 11-game hitting streak. Bobby Wood Jr., who started the season just awful. People were wondering whether they had called him up too early. Uh, but uh, he's got things rolling now, and the Royals pick up the win yesterday. And uh, then in a game that nobody cares about, the Nationals beat the Rockies 10-2. Uh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell with homers for the Nationals in that game. It is 46 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we talk a little basketball, a little hockey, as uh, we wind things down here on a Wednesday morning, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. So the Boston Celtics got, uh, well, yeah, no, they got humiliated in uh, Game One of their series against the Bucks after coming off that sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody was ready to crown them Eastern Conference champions and. Uh, they got thumped by the Bucks in game number one. Well, the nice bounce back for them yesterday. Uh, Bruins jumped out. Bruins. The Celtics uh, jumped out to an 18-3 to lead in this one. They scored the first seven points of the game, stretched that out to 18-3, to and pretty much dominated this entire game. Uh, Jalen Brown, 30 points in the game, 25 of those in the first half. Uh, the Bruins – why do I keep saying the Bruins? The, the Celtics – uh, 43 three-pointers they took last night. They hit 20 of them. 20. Uh, and they scored 24 points off of 16 Milwaukee turnovers, and they just took it to them. Uh, and, you know, it's weird. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with uh, 28 points last night. Uh, and and they say, well, they uh, they did a good job. They they held him down. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, they, he had uh, the 28 points. 18 of those came in the third quarter. Milwaukee tried to make a little bit of a run. They actually cut uh, what had been a 26-point Celtic lead down to 16, uh, but that was as close as they were going to get. Um, and uh, so the Bruins went. I, I can't believe it. The Celtics win, 
uh, even the series at one game apiece. Uh, they will have three days off now. Game three is scheduled uh, for Milwaukee on Saturday. And, uh, and you know what? And the Celtics played that game without Marcus Smart, who was a defensive player of the year in the NBA this year. Uh, so they played it without Marcus Smart, still were able to get that one done. They're hoping Smart will be able to be available with those three days off. They, they hope he's going to be available uh, for Saturday's game. Uh, hockey last night, a game that didn't, that didn't look like it was ever going to end. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the New York Rangers in three overtimes last night, a game that took four hours and 30 minutes. Four hours and 30 minutes. Uh, Evgeny Malkin finally wins it uh, with a deflection six minutes into the third overtime to give the Penguins a 4-3 win. Uh, Igor Shosturkin, the goalie for the uh, the Rangers last night, 79 saves. 79 saves. That's off the NHL record of six uh, that uh, uh, Yunus uh uh, Corpusello had back in 2020 when he made 85, three overtimes. Penguins win it, and uh, they take Game One in their series against the New York Rangers. Uh, the Capitals, a big upset last night. They beat the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers are the number one overall seed in the NHL playoffs, and uh, the Capitals were trailing after two periods. And for context, teams that had trailed the Florida Panthers in the regular season when trailing after the first two periods were 0-39-1. And 0-22-0 when you were playing on Florida's home ice. So nobody had beaten them. There had been one tie all season in 40 games when they'd been trailing after four, uh, two periods. Well, the Capitals turned it around. They finally did it last night. Uh, T.J. Oshie with the go-ahead goal midway through the third period. Um, uh, Vitek Vanacek with 30 saves, and uh, the Capitals beat the Panthers. Look, it's only one game, but uh, that is a wake-up call for the Florida Panthers. Game two is Thursday uh, back in Florida. And uh, the local hockey team here, the uh, Nashville Predators, didn't go so well. Game one uh, against the Colorado Avalanche uh, up in Denver. Colorado scored five goals in the first period. That's a team playoff record. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad, their backup goaltender, David Rich, got knocked out of the game uh, with five minutes left in the first period. And by the way, uh, David Rich was, is the backup goaltender for Nashville. Their, their number one goalie, uh, Drew Saros, is sidelined with an injury, so their backup got knocked out 15 minutes into the game. They had to go to the backup of the backup, and uh, as you can imagine, it didn't end well. 7-2, uh, the uh, Avalanche win this one. Uh, they outshot Nashville in this game 45-25. to uh, The Bruins back in action tonight. Game two of their series with the Carolina Hurricanes. Game is in Raleigh. Uh, Bruins need to get the offense going. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got absolutely drilled 5-1 in game number one uh, against Carolina. Look, Carolina handled the Bruins all season, but uh, this has been a great Bruin team. But uh, they, if they don't get it going tonight, if they go back to Boston down 2-0, um, uh, they're done. Just put a fork in them. They're not coming back from 2-0 down against a very good Carolina team. Uh, one last note before we get out of here this morning. 
Um, Kelly Maher, a good friend of mine, and uh, for most of you around the country that listen to this, it won't mean anything, but Kelly Maher has been the basketball girls' basketball coach at uh, Cromwell High School in Connecticut uh, for the last 15 years. She's stepping down. Uh, she's also the athletic director uh, at the school, and the AD position is becoming a full-time position, so she had to make a choice. You either remain as the girls' basketball coach or you remain as the athletic director, and she has made the decision to step down uh, and uh, uh, turn over the reins of the girls' basketball team to somebody else. Uh, over 15 years, she has a 315-65 and 65 record. Uh, they won three state championships uh, with uh, Kelly there. I had the pleasure of calling all three of them on the radio. Uh, they won in 2013, 2016, and 2019. As a matter of fact, those t- the 2013 and 16 teams uh, were undefeated. Uh, they were also state runners-up in 2011 and 2015. They won eight conference championships. Um, she's a, actually a Cromwell High School graduate uh, and uh, took over in 2007. So uh, Kelly Maher, a great friend of mine. Uh, she was a great friend of uh, my radio station uh, when I was still up in Connecticut. Uh, we actually broadcast some of the girls' and uh, boys' basketball games at Cromwell during the pandemic. Uh, and uh, so I'm sad to, to uh, hear that she's stepping down, but I'm glad that she's staying on uh, at Cromwell High School as the athletic director. So uh, uh, wishing her the best of luck and the best of luck to the uh, to the Panthers as they uh, uh, begin their search for a new girls basketball coach. Uh, that's going to do it for us here this morning. It's Randy Travis's birthday today. Uh, 63 years old. Randy, uh, of course, suffered a stroke several years ago. Not the. Uh, uh, not able to really sing or communicate much anymore, but uh, uh, one of the great voices in country music history, a guy who kind of brought back old-time country music uh, to country back in the uh, late 80s and 90s. Uh, 63 years old. I saw him in concert uh, a number of years ago. God, what a great show. Uh, so in honor of his 63rd birthday, here's a little Randy Travis on the way out, and uh, he walked on water. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.